0: Talk about what's at the core. What's at the core? You know, I think about politicians, and uh, a politician stands up and he says, "Ah, my core value is blah diddy, blah 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 diddy, blah 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 <laughs> blah." And then when he gets in office, and I'm not picking on the president we have, I, I think they all do it. And then he gets in office, and those aren't his core values anymore, but they were the core values he needed to say to get voted in. And then when he gets in office, he finds out that if he holds on to that core value down the road, it might lose him some support, so he changes his mind, and that's not a core value anymore. So what are the core values? What is at the core of the bridge? Let's talk about culture. When I talk about culture, that's what I'm talking about. Now, you've got your sermon notes right there, and I want to tell y'all, I want to tell you because you're going to need to hear this so you'll have some relief. We're not going to cover all this today. And the people said... <laughs> Smarties, britches. Let's look at uh, look up on the screen and let's let's read this together. I don't is this on the screen yet. Yeah. Culture is a set of unwritten rules. Now, now when we when we talk about this, I want you to think about where you work. Those of you in the military, I want you to think about the culture of the military, culture of your occupation. I want you to think about your home. If you're in school, think about the culture of the classes you go to. So it doesn't just apply to a church. It's any organization. How many of y'all know the church, the home, is an organization? The home is an organization. Culture is a set of unwritten rules that determine how people in an organization act, react, communicate, problem solve, and treat each other. Let's go to the next slide. Culture includes the attitudes, beliefs, values, standards, expectations, prejudices, approaches, and phobias that characterize the people in our organization when they are together. Now let's look at a quote by Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley, North Point Church, Alpharetta, Georgia. How many of y'all know Charles Stanley? Charles Stanley, okay. That's his son, Andy. Culture is the personality of your organization. That's a very important sentence right there. When you think about the bridge, think about the personality of the bridge. When you think about where you work, what is the personality of your work environment? What is the If you're in the military, think about the area where you serve. What is the personality of the team your own? It is the personality. If you're in a school, think about the personality of the school, the personality of the teacher. Personality, and I don't mean the teacher's personality. I mean the culture that that teacher has created for that classroom. Classroom is um, classroom. Culture is the personality of your organization. Every church, we could say every organization has a what? Just like a family or individual or an individual has a personality, so important. So if you want to read a book that deals with culture, the culture of a church, and what a healthy culture looks like, you need to read Andy Stanley's book, Deep and Wide. Okay, we got it in the bookstore. Look at this next quote by Samuel Chan. We're going to get to the Bible in a minute, so don't freak out. I know some of you all like, There's the Bible? He's not going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible. Summer down. <laughs> You're supposed to read it out the front, because that's in the book of Hezekiah. There's people right now looking for the book of Hezekiah. (laughs) Dr. Samuel Chan, who I hope to have here at this church one day. Culture is the fertile soil for growing creativity and passion for excellence. I love that. That's awesome. Culture is the fertile soil for growing creativity and passion for excellence and the rocket fuel for reaching new heights in excellence and accomplishments. That's good stuff right there. So what we're gonna talk about today and next Sunday, how many of y'all believe I can do a two-part sermon series? (laughs) (laughs) Doubters, doubters, (laughs) doubters among us. Um, Y'all know I use this a lot, I use this illustration a lot and I'm gonna use it for this. The bridge, not any church, will ever drift toward a healthy culture. If you want a healthy culture in our church, if we want a healthy culture, we have to work on it. You know why that's true? Because our nature is not to be loving and generous toward others. Our nature is to be selfish. Y'all ever been to one of those churches when you walk in, it's all about the people who are there? who are already there. They're kin to each other. They grew up together. They know each other. They love and accept each other. As a matter of fact, i got to tell you, I've heard people say, we don't want any more people in our church. A church that is very, very, very dear to my heart, very dear to my heart. One of the primary influential members of that church looked at the pastor one day and said, I don't want our church to be any bigger. I don't want any more people to come. I love our church just like it is. Do you know how dumb that statement is? Because number one, the people who are there now are going to die. Good news. Y'all are going to (laughs) die. Yay. Uh, So we've got to have new people coming in who are making babies. if we're ever going to have a future. So then this pastor, who came up with a brilliant response to this, looked at the guy and said, neither of your children come here yet. What if they wanted to start coming? Should I tell them that their daddy said, we don't want any more new people? Now, that right there is a booyah. Isn't it? Listen, Bridge, don't ever say that. This, this isn't your church. You don't get to pick who comes and who doesn't come. This is God's church. If the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't come back over a long period of time, these chairs will have other people sitting in them. And I hope you're in heaven. There will be another pastor here. There will be a whole other staff here. I want to cry out with all my heart with, how many of y'all remember Steve Green, a great singer, Steve Green? Anybody remember him? He used to sing a song called, Let Those Who Come Behind Us Find Us Faithful. People are coming behind us. They've got to find us faithful. The bridge will never drift toward a healthy culture. This is in your notes, I believe. A healthy culture is always created by planning strategizing of course we know prayer I didn't put prayer in there because prayer is assumed we're definitely praying but we a lot of people think you can pray and and that's all you have to do I know some churches that are major 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 prayer churches but you got to act you got to act. you got to have meetings where you plan and strategize and where you talk. We had a, how many of y'all were a part several years ago, maybe a couple years ago, of our SWOT analysis we had here at the church? Who was, who was a part of that, the SWOT analysis, where we looked at our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats as a church? You've got to always be having those discussions as a church or your church will become ineffective and irrelevant We've got to work on our culture. Look at the next sentence in your notes. Under, I think it's right up there at the very top, the last sentence. A healthy church culture never happens by coincidence or accident. Look at the next slide. Nothing determines or shapes the culture of our church more than our core values. What's at the core? What's at the core? What are our core values? Nothing determines or shapes the culture of our church more than our values because what we value determines what we do and how we do it. We, what we believe determines how we behave. Now, here's my whole point on that, y'all. and I've, I've preached some of this stuff before in another context. You remember when I told you guys, I said, you can tell me all day long what your values are, but the way I know what your values are is your checkbook and your calendar. Oh, I just think this is so important. I think it's so important. Well, you can say that to you're blue in the face, but if your checkbook and your calendar don't reflect that, then all you're saying are words churches can say, oh, we're all about children. We're all about children. Oh, we won't bring your children. And they won't give the children's pastor $500 a year to do any kind of children's ministry or create any environments. So you can talk about as a church how much you love children. But if you don't, if you don't reflect it in the checkbook and the calendar and the, and the, the uh, energy and time that is put into that ministry, then you can say you value it, but you don't really value it, do you? So that's what I'm preaching on today. That's what I'm talking about. And I want you to understand something. And I say this, and I don't say this with any kind of pride, but I'm going to tell you, you're not going to hear this in a lot of churches. Because churches, just like individuals, and they find it very, very hard to evaluate themselves. But we, your staff and the church leadership and the board, of the, we're constantly evaluating ourselves. We're constantly looking at ourselves as a church and saying, are we doing all we can to reach as many people as quickly as we can for Jesus Christ? Are we doing all we can? Do we have the attitude? Do we have the spirit? Let me just give you, let me just give you some, um, some cultures that are in your life, and let me just go through some things so you'll understand what I'm talking about. So let me just ask you, what kind of culture is in your house? What kind of culture is in your home? Because dad, that's your role to set that culture in your house. And if there's not a dad in the home, then mom, it becomes your role to set that culture in that house. So is your your home a home of openness where there's lots of talking and people get to express their feelings in in the house? Is there laughing? Do you laugh with your family? Does your family just have big belly laughs sometimes? because that's really important. We laugh at my house. I know y'all are shocked at that. We laugh. Millie laughs at me. One morning, I woke up and looked over there, and she's just laughing. I don't know what that was about. We cry together as a family. My oldest son came to see me the other day, and he and I sat and talked all day long and cried, talked about God. But I haven't always had that culture in my house. When my boys were younger, I, I just put the hammer down, baby. That's how you do it. Just put the hammer down and, and, and uh, you, you know, my way or hit the highway and, and may, having rules in the house but not explaining why those rules are there. That's just like a church. I know churches that have got rules and they ain't got no idea why they got them. Let me ask you something. Do you, do you touch each other in your home? You touch each other. You put your hands on shoulders, <clears throat> put your arms around. You touch your children. Your children touch you. or there hugs? We hug. Sometimes, you know, I've got that laser focus, and I'm thinking about stuff I got to do at the church, and I'm thinking about obligations I got to fulfill, and I'm thinking about my sermon I got to preach. And Millie will just walk up to me, and she'll just go, Hug me. Just hug me. I'm like, Yeah, well, I. And, and she knows how to, she just knows how to keep that in our house. So it's not just the man. Who sets a healthy culture in the home? The woman helps, and she she has to call that man out. Mutual trust in the home and respect, loving, very loving, but firm discipline. There has to be discipline in the home. Or is your anger? Is your uh, church? Is your home marked by anger and criticism? Just constant criticism. You think it's going to make your kids better to just pour out relentless criticism all the time. I've even heard parents say, well, I don't tell him what he's good at. He's got that down, Pat. Let's tell him what he's bad at. Because if I can get him good at what he's bad at, he'll be perfect. And I want to go just like you. Arguments, yelling, tension. I mean, is the house pretty happy until they know daddy's about to get home? And when daddy gets home, we all got to suck in our thoughts and our expressions, our laughter. Because daddy's home and he's had a hard day. So you kids go upstairs now. Tension in the air, fear, abuse, verbal. Verbal and physical abuse. Belittling. Mocking control what's the culture of your house because I tell you something your house isn't going to drift toward a healthy culture either. What's the culture in your at work? Think about your work. Uh, at, at your work <laughs> people <laughs> I thought I heard somebody laughing. They could have been crying. Okay. <laughs> I mean is your is your work environment is it characterized by affirmation and teamwork? Are people rewarded publicly when they do good? Is the boss open to suggestions? Will will your boss and others around you give up on his or her idea if he or she hears a better idea? Because that's a culture we work on here at the bridge all the time with our staff. I have ideas, but sometimes my idea is not the best idea. And I've been here the longest, and I'm the senior pastor, so if I really wanted something, I could just go, I don't care what any of y'all think, that's what we're going to do right there. How many of y'all know that would create an environment that would cause my staff to go, if I can get a job opening at another church anytime, I'm leaving here? See, that's not the kind of culture I want here at the church and not the kind of culture I want with our leadership teams. Um... Time passes by slowly. No, I mean time passes by quickly. Maybe it's uh, at at your work, you know, it's it's four o'clock before you know it or five o'clock before you know it because of that good culture, that healthy culture. There's little or no stress because mistakes are allowed. You better allow them because you're going to make them. Are you, am I connecting here? Is anybody, does this making sense to anybody? You understand what I'm saying? We're talking about culture of your home, culture of where you work. Here's another good culture of a place you work. Everybody's at free to ask questions for the purpose of clarity. If you don't understand something, you get to go. Hey, I, I don't quite understand that. Can you just go back over that again? Instead of being put down for that. Here's some negative things at work culture: gossip, undermining a person so you can so you can put them down thinking that's going to lift you up. You're going to get the raise and they're not going to get the raise. Undermining one another on work. Seniority is rewarded rather than excellence. I could preach right there. Have y'all seen organizations where the people who actually produced the fruit didn't get rewarded? The people who it was their turn They've been there longer, so it was their turn, so they got the promotion rather than the person who's actually producing the fruit, getting the job done. That's, that's negative culture. That sends the wrong message. You say, well, you can't do for one what you need to do for everybody. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You need. I don't know what your organization is, and even in your home, that might be the only organization you have any influence in. Reward good behavior. Reward faithfulness. Reward those who, who are fruitful, who produce. So, so negative culture work, gossip undermining seniority is rewarded rather than excellence. Can I just say something right here? Mm, mm, mm. I know somebody's going to look at this and be offended. I don't think they're here. Can I tell you that's one of the major reasons that denominations, that that whole system of denominations don't work anymore? Because they reward seniority. They reward the fact that it's somebody's turn They put people in charge just because they've been, you know, they have been here so long and they've done this and they were on this board and then they were on this board and they moved up and now it's their turn to lead the whole organization. And they have no more ability or vision to lead the organization than a man in the moon. And that's why so many denominations are going downhill. Can you edit that out, Mitchell? Get that for me. Thank you. Boss always seems angry, but nobody knows why. (laughs) You ever work in an environment like that? He's mad. Why? I don't know. (laughs) He's mad all the time. Boss's way is the only way. Boss takes credit for great ideas when he knows good and well they weren't his or her ideas. You can wake up dead. You keep doing that right there, I'm telling you. Everybody's watching the clock, can't wait to get out of work. High attention level. Questions for clarity are met with anger or frustration or even mockery. Then school culture. How many of y'all remember in school you had classes you learned in? You learned. I had a teacher at Charles B. A. Cock High School. Anybody here go to Charles B. A. Cock High School? Anybody, anybody go back in the B.C. before carpet like 1974. That's when I graduated, 1974. We got any Charles B. Acock people who were there, 1974, 73, they're all dead. Okay, listen. (laughs) I had a history teacher named Miss Fletcher. She taught history like an evangelist. Ha! George Washington, ah! (laughs) Buddy, she was hard. Her tests were hard. I learned more in that woman's class than I did in any other class I took because, buddy, when she taught it, she made it real. She made it come alive. That was the culture in that classroom, and she'd pat you on the back. And I don't know if you can even do that now at school, but she'd come in and put her arm around me and hug me and go, you stupid, redheaded boy, you got that right. (laughs) You got that right. I loved that culture. But then I'd go in another class, and there'd be a teacher in there who was drawing their breath and drawing their salary. I'm not picking on teachers, I'm just telling you, teachers are just like preachers. Different preachers, different teachers. And man, I would just sit there, and I couldn't learn, I couldn't stay awake. You know, a school has an overall environment. When you walk in the front door of that school, it doesn't, it doesn't take very long to know what the culture of that school is. You walk in the office, nobody greets you. Churches are like no churches like that. You stop by churches that have office hours and you walk by in the middle of the come by in the middle of the day and walk in there and the person's pecking on the computer. And I mean you walk in there, you could be a a guy that just stopped by to uh, give $10,000 to the church. I tell my staff this. We don't ever know when that person is going (laughs) to come. So you treat everybody like they got that. Well, you treat everybody like they're going to come in and say, I need Jesus. Don't You stop what you're doing. Look up, greet people. I've been in many, many, many offices. I went in a business the other day that had been recommended to me many, many times by some people. And I walked in there and finally thought, well, I'm going to go and check this out. And I went in there, and the girl was eating lunch. And she, I could tell she, did n- she was not happy I was there. And she was kind of treated me like, okay, just do this, take this home, fill this out, bring it back, bye. That's bad culture right there. That's bad culture. Um, so ch- school, you know, a good school culture, environments conducive to learning, teacher really cares about the students learning. There's, no, there's, a, there's an environment of trust and respect. Curriculum is made relevant to real life. That's what that history teacher did. She made history relevant to my life and that made me wanna listen. How many of y'all know that works at church too? How many of y'all know when the preacher's up here preaching, people want to know, well, that's great. You got the Greek word, you know. That's great, but how do I use that this afternoon? How do I use that tomorrow? Because I'm going through hell at work, and I'm going through hell in my family, and I'm going through hell in my marriage, and I'm going through hell with my children. So it's great that you know the Greek word for that, but can you please tell me how I can use that in my life? We get criticized here at this church because of relevant preaching. We get criticized for it. (laughs) Have y'all heard the latest about us? That when you become an owner, and I'm sure these people didn't know it, but I'm about to tell them, (laughs) you got to turn in your W 2 form. Have y'all heard that? Yeah, that's, the rep, that's uh, that just got out this week. You have to turn in your W-2 form when you become an owner here at the church. And I've seen some of your W-2 forms. I cried. <laughs> I haven't seen your W-2 form. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, isn't that, that's just, uh, you know, anytime you do something different, anytime you do something out of the box, how many of you know people are going to get your number? They're going to talk about you. Um, oh do y'all remember the illustration I gave the other Sunday I gotta tell y'all this story I'm, I'm almost done sure I am okay listen <laughs> y'all remember the other Sunday when I told you I was in a grocery store and a lady came up do, or I was talking to this lady and she was new in town and I kept hearing this little voice go invite her to church y'all remember that illustration I gave you y'all remember that well, I don't think I'd said this little funny thing in the early service, but I used it in the second service. You know how when we feel like God's telling us to invite somebody, we spiritualize it, and it's like, God, if I just knew that was you. So I made this little joke in the second service, and I said, I, said, I told God, God, if you'll make that box of Rice Krispies just levitate a little bit, <laughs> then I'll know it's you wanting me to invite this lady to church. It was a joke. How many of y'all knew, knew it was a joke? Right then, when I just told her, right then, you know it was a joke. I got a call from a pastor in Clinton who said his wife came home from work, said their whole office was buzzing that we teach levitation. Glasses start next Sunday night. (laughs) I'd like to be able to do that just a little bit when I step on the bathroom scales, wouldn't you? Just a little bit of levitation right there. We're talking about school cultural teachers, teachers viewed by students as fair. Teachers viewed by the students as knowledgeable and unbiased. The teachers viewed by students as being willing to help. The teacher is viewed by the students as being easily approached. Achievement is celebrated publicly. Innovation and creativity is valued. That's a good culture. And then military culture. You guys know what you face. You know what you deal with. I've talked to some of you. You're concerned about some things. Unrealistic demands. Blaming others. Feeling threatened by other success. Power struggles. Dishonesty. Creating an atmosphere of fear. Using people instead of valuing people. Unclear vision. Unclear strategy. Unclear goals. And I'm not picking, I know you can't say anything these days because if you say anything about politics, people think, he's he's this or he's that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we just need some people who who can give us some vision. Who can give us some values and goals and strategies. And not do what is going to just get you a vote. <clears throat> There's a lack of authenticity sometimes. That's a bad culture. And then nationally, you got the United States. And then we have different cultures within the United States, don't we? Southwest. How many of you all know we got us some culture right down here? Right down here in the Southwest. Amen? Okay. Here's, here, let me tell you people who are not from the South how we are. We will tell you we love you, honey, and talk about you like a dog when you leave. That's why we don't like you Yankees, because y'all go ahead and say it right up front. (laughs) And it offends us. We'd whole lot rather you talk behind our back like we're going to do you. (laughs) I can tell y'all a little nervous laughing, but it's the truth, buddy. We will honey you up to your face and we will cut you off at the knees when you ain't with us. That's bad English, but good preaching. And then the Northeast people you know the midwest and the southwest and the left coast the west (laughs) how many of you know the culture is different in china and north korea than it is here in the united states and iran so let's look very quickly in closing at the at a biblical and this is not in your i think i don't I don't think it's in your notes, but let me just give you a scripture reference that's not in your notes. Guys, this is not the one that's going to come up on the slides. I'm going to give it right right here in just a minute. I love, I love Luke chapter 15, where Jesus is about to talk about the lost coin and the lost son. I mentioned this the other day, I think, and the lost sheep. And right before he tells those three stories about the prodigal son and the lost sheep, how Jesus will leave the 99 and go after the one, and how, and how the woman lost the coin, but she swept and shined the light until she found it. Y'all remember that in the Bible? Luke 15. Well, right before Jesus tells those stories, look at the culture here. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees, who were the church people, and the scribes, who they hated each other, but they always got together if they were, they could always get together when they came against Jesus. Isn't that amazing? If I can just say this, this, is going to kind of sound churchy. But have y'all noticed how the devil's crowd hates each other, but they can get together when it is to go against the church or to go against Jesus? So the scribes and the Pharisees um, complained and they said, this man receives sinners. And eats with them. You see those two cultures right there? Uh, One is a culture of acceptance and love and forgiveness. And the other is a culture of judgment and gossip. Luke says the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him, which implies that the self-righteous Pharisees stood off at a distance, murmuring and complaining. Look at the next slide up here. It says, if you look behind the scenes in both of these examples, this is in your notes too. One culture is driven by rules and legalism and the other is driven by relationship and love. That's a blank in your notes if you want to fill that in. Two totally different cultures. Now I'm going to read a scripture to you and then we're done. Matthew 9, and this is going to be on the screen. It's not in your notes. The reference is in there, but the scriptures aren't in your notes. They're going to be up here on the screen. Matthew 9, 10, and 12. Let's read that. Now, it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold many tax collectors and sinners. Now, tax collectors were sinners too, but they were the worst kind because they would cheat the people. And uh, the government would tell them how much taxes to take from the people. And the tax collectors were known for adding an amount to it. And then they would pocket that amount and give the government what they recommended. So the people hated tax collectors. And the tax collectors were sinners. Many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with, that's a capital H right there. So it's talking about who? Jesus. Jesus came and sat down with him and his disciples. Next slide. And when the Pharisees, the church folk, notice I didn't call them Christians, and when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But they didn't say it like that. They said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Next slide. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. The culture of this church is to minister to the sick. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about the physically sick. If you're physically sick, we'll minister to you. But if you've got Jesus in your heart and you're physically sick, the main part of your sickness, the spiritual part, is healed. Do you hear me? The ministry, the sermons, the ministries, the culture of this church is toward the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, those who are well don't need a physician. The ones who need a physician are those who are sick. You say, well, what about about Bible study? And what about discipleship? Here's what I say about that. There's enough Bible study and discipleship material out there that it ought to be running out of your ears. Here's the problem, if we got a bunch of people sitting around wanting to be spoon-fed, and what you need to do is take personal responsibility for your spiritual growth and your spiritual development and quit being anemic little babies whining because we're not having another Bible study. I'm telling you guys. When Hey, listen. When you are so concerned about Bible study that you can't win souls, something's wrong with that picture. Because when you study the Bible, it tells you to go win souls. It tells you to minister to those who are broken. Now, we're going to have classes, and we've got classes, and and there's going to be more classes. As a matter of fact, next year we're going to have classes that are going to take you all the way from Genesis through Revelation in one year. So we're going to help you, and we're going to put stuff out there. But I'm telling you right now, you're never, ever going to be a strong, healthy Christian until you personally take responsibility for your walk with Jesus and quit looking for somebody to spoon-feed you. Now, I know it's none of y'all, but I'm getting ready for the second service. I've got to say this in the next service. What would you say? Well, we—I want to be what Jesus was about, Pastor. What was Jesus about? He said, "I came to seek and save the lost." That's what we're about. That's what we're about. Is reaching the lost and putting tools in their hands and putting them in small groups and connecting them with classes or what have we got to go deeper? But we're All about rescuing the perishing. That's the culture of this church. We're going to talk about it more next Sunday. Let's all stand together.